coming up this week, off screen. We uncover the secret life of pets. Independence Day gets a resurgence. Penelope Cruz is Mama. We go crazy about Tiffany's. Joda Whittaker learns some adult life skills. Omar Fast has a remainder. And it's all out war in Suboa. All those to come and more, off screen. This is... This is off screen. Off screen. the latest film news and reviews. This is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. Welcome to Offscreen, I'm Van Connor. Case Allen. So we, we need to start this week. Before we get to the fun of, you know, ranting and raving about all the week's films. That's always fun. That's it's my favourite part. part. But we, we should start with the, the unfortunate news over the weekend of yeah. Anton Yelchin. Mm. And this came out, I thought this was just one of those internet death hoaxes at first. So did I. You actually, you were the first person to tell I, me. I you sent you. me a text. Um, and I, I, I thought it was all nonsense because it came from TMZ. And when have they ever reported anything accurate ever? Yeah. Uh, no, Anton Yelchin, I think best known really mainstream-wise now as Chekhov from... From the new Star Trek, Trek, Star Trek yeah. And Star Trek Into Darkness. But I know him from sort of the quirkier indie dramedy type Charlie things. Charlie Bartlett, that was the first thing I ever saw him in. Yeah. yeah. And uh, so for those, and obviously he turned up in Terminator Salvation as that Kyle Reese. Yeah. And he had that rom-com oh, no, with... No, no, the... was, was he, he was John Connor, wasn't he? he no, he was Kyle Reese. Was he Kyle Reese? He was Kyle Reese, yeah. yeah. John Connor was Christian Bale. Um, oh, yeah, of course. Uh, yeah. yeah. And and he did the rom com with Felicity Jones before she was Felicity Jones. Oh, that wasn't a rom com. Like crazy. Oh, like oh, that was, was that really, a rom com. Was that a rom dram? Uh, it was more more of a rom dram, I would say. Well, it was Ant- a good film anyway. Anton Yelchin sadly has passed away yeah. at the age of twenty seven in an unfortunate traffic accident. And uh, well, I think it's fair to say that Star Trek Beyond now is going to end with a double header dedicated to mm. Leonard Nimoy and Anton and Yelchin because everyone yeah. seems to have forgotten this is the first Trek movie since Leonard Nimoy as well. Yeah, that's crazy. So, it really wasn't that long ago, was it? It really wasn't. Mm. But uh, so Anton Yelchin, we hardly knew ye at twenty seven. Mm. Oh. That is. Green room. Shame. green room. Of was course, only Green Room last month or maybe the month before. That was. And if you remember, film. he was very good in that as well. He was wonderful. In he film. was good. Yeah, in very that. good. Uh, also, Fright the Fright Night remake. I enjoyed that. Actually. I enjoyed yeah, that, and he, he was he was excellent in it. Awful 3D, but he was very good <laughs> in it. I saw it in in just standard. I saw it in 3D. Gave me a headache. Plain dude. <laughs> but yeah, it was very good. Uh, well, we'll have some, we'll have some positive perkers up before yeah. we do the box office top ten. Then, uh, what have you got? S- Spy is getting a sequel. Oh, the 2015 this is spy. indeed something positive. Yeah, this yeah. is something positive. Not only is it going to get a sequel, it's going to have a lot more Statham, apparently. So it's going to be a lot more That's what every Statham. sequel needs. That's what the Independence Day sequel needed. It, it is. That's that's yeah. what I think the next Fast and Furious needs. A lot more Statham. Yeah. Rather than I just show up and attack you wherever you go. <laughs> I don't get that. I know you're trying to find me, but what I'm else would he do, though? What else would Statham do? It's very true. It is yeah. very true. Um, apparently, fight a giant shark. Oh, I Which, can't wait for that. I can't wait for that movie. Oh. A giant shark movie starring Jason Statham. God there's, bless you, Warner Brothers. There's a lot of good good films coming up in the next couple of years. There, there are some yeah. good ones. There's there's some rubbish ones coming up this week, but <laughs> <laughs> the last said about those. Segway. But yes, so Paul Feig is doing the Feig Feig. He's doing the promotions for Ghostbusters, which is out next month. Yep. And uh, people keep asking him about his other properties. And of course, Spy, he did set that up apparently as a franchise. He, he wants more Statham as Rick Ford, Master Agent. And where did you get that suit? Well, I might, didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> you know. So let's let's do the box office top ten for the week. Then. Okay, let's do it. Number ten. 
Angry Birds. No, so have you had the pleasure of this yet? Uh, I don't know if pleasure is a word, but um, <laughs> no, I still haven't seen it. No, I, I think it's a lot of fun, and uh, I, I really think they should make a video game out of it, actually. But uh, <laughs> It's a good concept, isn't it? It's a good it, concept, isn't it? Um, but no, it's, uh, it's a lot better a sort of animated uh, you know, franchise movie than, for instance, you compare it to something like The Smurfs or something like that, with its all-star cast and its attempt at satirical comedy. It doesn't quite work, and this has one of the writers of The Office on it, it has Jason Sudeikis, it has a lot of sarcasm, a lot of wit, its heart is firmly in the right place, and I had a great time with it. I didn't expect to, but I did really enjoy it. Number nine. The Boss. Now, did you... I can't remember. Did you like this? Yeah, I guess so. Y- you did. Okay, well, I'll, I liked I'll, it too. I'll, I, I enjoyed it in the way that you would have a Kit Kat, like a standard like two-finger Kit Kat, and you're like, yeah, it's fine, but you'd definitely prefer <laughs> like either a Kit Kat Chunky or a four-finger Kit Kat. It's fine, but I'm not going to yelp about it. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think some of the stuff between uh, Kristen Bell and Melissa McCarthy, that's where the film's heart really lies for me, and there's a lot of really great comedy in there, a lot of really hard laughs. I think the actual plot of it is strangely cartoony as it gets later on in it mm. and I found that kind of jarring and off-putting having said that the film weirdly does feel like a family movie with some F-bombs thrown in like a mid-90s family movie and I think I'd quite like to have seen that Number 8 Snorcraft The Beginning <laughs> slash middle slash end slash you're never going to get a sequel Duncan go make Something else. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is the thing with Warcraft. Um, a lot of people. I mean, because the general consensus now is it's made so much money in China mm. that a lot of people seem to think, oh, it'll get a sequel. But no, it won't because it's one of those where it's made enough money to you know justify its existence, but not yeah. enough to it's, quite. It's reached its, uh, its money back. It made its money back, but yeah. It's just not very good. I mean, it's a mess. It's it's just all these weird concepts that are completely alien to a cinematic audience that only work if you know if you the know video the game. Property, yeah. And you're just looking at it befuddled the entire time, which I think is the only sane reaction to it. Number seven. Oh, that is just the best theme tune of the 90s. <laughs> uh, X-Men Apocalypse. X-Men Apocalypse. Uh, which is, is fine. It's not a bad film at all. I, don't, I think X- it's... X-Men. It's X-Meh, yeah, X- X-Men Second Class, X-Meh. And th- the problem is it's very, very average. And the X-Men movies tend to be above average, at the at, you know, least, and excellent when they can. I mean, look at Days of Future Past. Yeah, But this film. is closer to the last stand, and that's really disappointing. You've got a villain who's kind of a non-presence. Uh, the storylines are kind of watered down at this point, and even Michael mm. Fassbender feels like he's going through the motions. Yeah, phone it in. Number six. The Nice Guys. Go, do you want to say this one? You really like The Nice Guys. Go on. I thought it was great. I loved it. Um, probably didn't enjoy it as much as Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, but that's one of my, my favourite films Oh, we're finally admitting ever, that so now, are we? I was always transparent about that. Oh, okay. I, w- I would say that... I don't know why I'm trying to do some hand gestures when I'm talking <laughs> in a microphone, <laughs> yeah, exactly. but I would say that it's very, very close. It's its own beast. It's a, it's a different film. It's kind of similar, but... They've got the tone for the seventies just right. I would say that's fair enough. I think I think uh, Shane Black's forte for me it, it belongs more in dialogue-driven comedy and less mm. in, for instance, slapstick. Sticky. And well, I, I I've said to you before. I think that works for the time period yeah. and for that particular pairing. I think if. If RDJ and Valley Kilmers were doing the slapstick, Valley Kilmers, Valley Kilmers, yo, I don't think that would have worked. But I think no, it works no, with I'll these with two. That. Yeah. Although they did do the greatest roulette sequence ever in uh, Kiss Kiss Bang Bang, yeah, which true. is just amazing. Go see that film. Well, in fact, no, don't don't go watch it. Wait until Christmas and then watch it. 
watch it back to back with yeah back to back because nice guys will be out by then as well so you can you can pretty much watch both yeah yeah probably a good It'd be double a good bill. double actually yeah, yeah. So uh, we should plug, we've got a couple of plugs to make. So competitions, we've got a couple of competitions Ooh, yeah. uh, going on at the moment. Mm. So you hop onto our website, you can enter to win. We've got triple nine goodie bags to give away. Oh, yeah. The DVD, it's T-shirt, uh, walkie-talkie sets. If you um, want to pretend that you are Casey Affleck. <laughs> you can. <laughs> yeah. Just just um, be better than your brother, but don't get as much recognition. That's how you pretend to be yeah. Casey Affleck. yeah. Yeah, um, so win triple nine stuff. Uh, also, with the release of Visions on Home Entertainment, you can win the complete uncut Saw box set, which I've always wanted to watch all seven Saw films back to back. I just watched the first one seven times. No, I like the Saw series. I've always wanted to see a chronological. You can, you can do a lot worse. You can, you can yeah. do a lot worse. They're, they're, they're called step up movies. Anyway, um, <laughs> so go along to onscreenfilm.com, go in our competition section, and enter to win. There's no question on that. You just go in, put your details in. Win some swag, yo. So uh, while you're on there as well, you can of course download our podcast edition, the podcast edition of this show, which is extended. There is you get to the end credits of the radio version, mm. and then you have podcast extras. So much more. Where we fit in all the reviews we couldn't fit in the radio edit, and also because it's podcast friendly, we can we can curse <laughs> and and make boob jokes and yeah. things like that. And then there's the moment of cage, which we love. That's always the best part. That's always the best part. It's worth. Downloading right. just for that, I and, and you can get it on iTunes, Acast, Stitcher, Tune, uh, tune In, in uh, and of course on onscreenfilm.com. Go along, podcast up, and we'll remind you about this at the very end because people clearly will turn over before the podcast extras, and then they're going to miss out on Crazy About Tiffany's, which is a shame Boo. because it's awful and everyone should have to know about it. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. And we're back to the music of a half-decent uh, Jeff Goldblum movie. So uh, <clears throat> so from one extreme... From one extreme yeah. to the other, let's kick the tires and let the fires, Big Daddy. <laughs> Which I am reminded... <laughs> that's is what the, this film was missing. That's what this yeah. film was missing. There was no Harry Goldblum with a cigar. That's, that's what it needed. No, although the first Independence Day does end with Jeff Goldblum smoking a cigar and saying, I could get used to this. And me, as the audience member, watching, thinking, yeah, but I'm pretty sure there are no uh, tobacco processing facilities left in the world. They've kind of all gone up in smoke, no pun intended. You so, uh, think about films too much sometimes. <laughs> I really do. And yeah. I've, got, I've, I've got a couple of whoppers you got some thoughts about for this. Independence Day. Okay, let's so. start with the premise. It's 20 years after Independence Day, so it's 2016. It's our present day. The alien invasion of 1996 obviously happened. In the wake of that alien invasion, the events of Independence Day 1, humanity has come together in a renewed sense of unity, all brought together by rebuilding the Earth with this salvaged alien technology. But wait! There is... A new threat from the stars. And with it, an alien queen. The second wave is here, and there is a whole generation, a new generation of potential pilots tasked with saving the Earth. And of course, there's Jeff Goldblum too, and uh, Judd Hirsch needs to befriend some kids. So, here's a clip. Look, the Roswell crash in 47, the farmer who made contact drew the same circle. And every time I interview one of my patients and show them this, they all express the same emotion. Fear. And I don't think it's a circle. The night the ship turned on, I experienced the strongest vision I've ever had. And I drew this. That's incredible. How'd you decipher so much of their language? They were hunting us. We had to learn how to hunt them. So, yes, Jeff Goldblum there with Charlotte Gainsborough, and uh, apparently the cuddliest African warlord you're ever likely to meet. Should we, uh, should we let Brad Pitt do this one for us? Okay. Let's, let's let Brad yeah. take it away. Oh, God! Oh, God! 
Yeah, this is this is pretty poor. Mm. This is staggeringly poor. Um, it's worth noting this wasn't shown to critics in the US, and when it came to critics in the UK, um, a bunch of us were actually lied to twice to actually prevent us from seeing it. And I will say this, if I were the person tasked with promoting and marketing this film, I'd lie about it as well. <laughs> I really would, because this is shockingly poor. So, um, putting aside the fact that this is, you know, set in a, a you know, a future world, you know, a, a, an alternate version of the present day, which is fueled entirely by alien technology, and yet they somehow still have the iPhone 6, um, putting aside that kind of logic, which would, if it were included, if an explanation were actually included, would count as actual depth. This which film, movie this movie has none, has yeah. no depth. So what you get instead is this two-hour-long Roland Emmerich attempt to recapture his glory by simply taking every concept he can imagine, flinging it all at the audience and just seeing what sticks. And nothing does. Literally nothing does. And his cast seem very aware of it because none of them are even putting in 50% of their best effort. Liam Hemsworth is absolutely dreadful in this movie. Micah Monroe... The less said about, the better. Jeff Goldblum has given up playing David Levenstein to actually play a parody version of Jeff Goldblum. And then for some reason, Brent Spiner's back because Jeff Goldblum's now the action leader, not the yeah. scientist. So we need a replacement science. scientist. Yeah. yeah. And so Jeff, uh, Brent Spiner's back and he's got so much more screen time and he's just proportionally <clears throat> more irritating. He's, he's quite a bit grating, isn't he? He, he really yeah. is. Um, it is just bad. It makes no sense as a sequel. It makes no sense as a film in its own right. It has no internal logic. It has no external logic. It doesn't seem to have... Uh, I mean, it has a beginning and an end, but no middle, strangely. No. It, it's just very build, odd in that just way. Just Bill Pullman's beard. Yeah. There's yeah. no peaks and troughs to this narrative. There is no build-up. There's no inciting... There's nothing like that. It is yeah. just a case of some stuff happens some weird and then editing stuff going stops. On. Very strange editing. Like, very kind of Zack Snyder-esque. <laughs> Zack Snyder! But, uh, you know, it's just all very kind of fast <clears throat> and kinetic, and it's just like, oh, well, I'm, I'm in Africa now, and I'm, I'm here. And, yeah. yeah. It, I mean, it's not Warcraft, let's travel to five different kingdoms in five minutes on a griffin, and not explain <laughs> This film needed a griffin. Yeah, this, that's what it is. Well, it did. I should yeah. need a Nicolas Cage, but uh, Nicolas Cage <laughs> would class this joint on, up a bit. On a griffin. Yeah. yeah. But the problem with the film is, and you get this near instantly, it, it feels very prefabricated. It feels mm. very much like taking pristine, well-polished parts off of a shelf without seeing if they work together and what you get is this sort of characterless void of personality for two hours and then <clears throat> somewhere in the middle of it is Bill Pullman with what seems to be MS at the beginning of the film and then it's sort of he seems to be cured as it goes along yeah. and you've got a Vivica not actually a fox uh, turn up for like 30 seconds for like 30 seconds in in, in this world that hasn't uh, had no surviving universities she somehow managed to move on from being a stripper to a fully qualified doctor I, I don't know how that works, but yes, the love interest from Sharknado, the second one, is in this. She is back. Uh, Will Smith obviously does not turn up. However, one certain cameo caught me off guard. A oh, blink yeah. and you'll miss it. Uh, <clears throat> blink and you'll miss it turn from Robert Lozier. Yeah, who uh, obviously sadly passed away yeah, uh, last year. We looked this up. We did, the yeah, because we, we we thought it was some some CGI trickery, yeah, didn't we? It was some, we did, some voodoo. Yeah. Yeah. Did they use a body double and map his face on there? It's actually him. It is actually... According to his IMDb, it is... His Ryan final... Lozier. Presumably his final role, then. No, it's not. He's is got, it not? He's got another two films coming out. Is, I don't know what they're called. Is one of them a friendly films. mafia drama? Oh, I would think so. It, it's going to be, isn't it? He, yeah. was, he was excellent in Sopranos. He was featured in I loved him. 
but uh, <laughs> I brought you some dandelions. <laughs> he always oh. sounds like the male Patty and Selma. And he does a little bit. R, as in Robert, Robert Lozier. Oh, as in, oh my God, it's Robert Lozier. Anyway, uh, the reason we're spending so much time talking about Robert Lozier is because that is genuinely more fun than talking about this film. Yeah. A, a film which, if Jeff Goldblum has any self-respect, <clears throat> he is now going to rank as the worst sequel decision he's made. And bear in mind... He's done Lost World. Th- this is a guy who nearly starred as the villain in Under Siege 2, but had the good sense to oh, turn it down. Oh, I didn't know that. Did you not know that? I didn't know. The crazy that's, computer that's hacker at the yeah. end? Yeah, that was going to be Jeff That was going to be yeah. the bloom. He turned down Jack Bauer. Jeff Goldblum no. turned down Jack Bauer. What? Yeah. But, uh, uh, there's some beautiful alternate power universe. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Jeff, Jeff want, Goldblum with I a handgun. Want, I, Damn want to, it. I want to go to that. <laughs> I know. But this is the thing. So uh, Roland Emmerich, so he's back directing, and he is doing what he does best. He's doing a big disaster movie. Yeah. And he there's is explosions trying, and things yeah. falling he's, down. He's trying to bring life yeah. into it, but it's it, it's untextured CGI. It it mm. does feel like there's because there's no uh, there's no physicality to to the imagery in the film. No. So when you're going through the the much advertised London is falling sequence, you're looking. I think it really just it's yeah. Just it, some it just it, it looks like Jeff Goldblum and Liam Hemsworth looking at a green screen. It does because that's essential. That's what it is. I, think, I I miss the model work that made the last film so great. And why couldn't you do oh, that? We were talking about last week, weren't we? We were. Yeah. Uh, but that's the thing. And then you've got really poor design work. For instance, the humans and the aliens. Drive nearly indistinguishable ships, and you, yeah, you have space you dogfights. Really you can't really tell who's a who's. Whereas in the, yeah. in the first one, the ships you could really tell. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they were completely different shapes, different colors. Oh, yeah, and it yeah. worked. But it we just we had like work. proper jets, didn't we? Yes, we did. We had yeah. proper jets. Now we have space jets. We need proper jets, people. So this is uninteresting to the degree that it can't quite qualify for so good. It's so bad. It's good. Uh, you know, status. It is. Possibly, the, I, mean, I say possibly, I think it flat out is the worst, the laziest, the most offensively inept franchise feature since Catwoman in 2004, which at least had a spark of energy to it. This has none. This has no drive, no ambition, no momentum, no humanity, no fun. Are you paying a compliment to, uh, to the Huntsman movie we got? Yeah, do you know what? The Huntsman was a better movie than this. Oh, wow. Seriously. Huntsman genuinely better movie than this. And starred a more interesting Hemsworth. There, I said it. The Billy Baldwin of Hemsworths is now <laughs> Liam Hemsworth. You've taken my joke, son. Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah. What do we call him? Uh, Baldworth. Baldworth. <laughs> Billy Baldwin. But this is this has taken the crown for me from Batman v Superman as the worst tentpole picture of 2016. And I'm saying that mm. because Gods of Egypt at least had the good sense to include Gerard Butler enjoying himself. And I can live with that. Um, it has the most eye-rollingly patronising attempt to pander to the coveted Chinese audience, this side of Transformers Age of Extinction, which incidentally is also a better film than this. And at least... Oh, God, dis- that's, that's I saying know. something. I, I really, I know. Believe me, this actually makes 2012 look like a worthwhile disaster movie. It is just somewhere, poor. somewhere in the world. John Cusack has just started to smile. Exactly, and you know what? I saw this. Said that. I saw this with our friends, uh, John Nottingham, Greg Bird, mm. and John texted me before we started the show and said the following. And I and th- I think this is the final word on Independence Day. Final, final nail. The final nail in the coffin, which is this is his quote. My life is literally a little worse for having seen Independence Day Resurgence, and you know what? I actually can't agree more. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen. And we're back. I, you know, I, I love the quote. Like, you can be my wingman anytime. 
Yeah. It, it was a nice inclusion in that. But... Nice, nice little touch. <laughs> so let's talk then about Adult Life Skills, which is the Ooh. debut feature from uh, Rachel Tunnard, who is pretty much the one of one of Britain's go-to editors, it seems, because she's edited mm. nearly everything, it seems, for about ten years. And uh, she's now, she's made a short, which is Emotional Fuse Box, and she's now adapted that into a feature-length film starring Jodie Whittaker. Uh, Jodie Whittaker plays a 29-year-old girl named Anna, who is trying to oh, to move past the death of her, uh, her twin brother. And in doing so, she has basically become a hermit, living in her mother's shed, which has got a sign outside brilliantly, co- brilliantly proclaiming Dawn of the Shed. And, oh, uh, that's it wonderful. Is, yeah. oh, it's just wonderful. And she nitpicks pop culture, and so she's a woman after our own hearts, clearly, yeah. nitpicks pop culture and makes quirky little home movies with thumb puppets in which she draws for, uh, you know, t- you know, two eyes and a smiley face mm. on a thumb, and she makes little videos with them. She sounds adorable. She is adorable. She, it, yeah. If this were American, this would be Zoe Deschanel. Right. That, that, that's, nice. it's, it's that. Yeah. It's, it's that kind of. <laughs> maybe Anne Hathaway in a pinch. But, oh, no. You don't know? No. Ah, for, uh, ne- no, no, never Anne Hathaway in a pinch. Could Rashida Jones do it? Never mind, I'm getting off topic. So, um, her best friend, uh, played by Rachel Deering, comes to visit in time for Anna's 30th birthday. And as the birthday's approaching, her mum's honour her to try and move on with her life, to try and basically make something of herself. She's also fending off the sort of unwanted romantic advances of a platonic male friend. And she starts to form a friendship with a sort of precocious eight-year-old boy with whom she seems to weirdly relate. And all of this just seems to be getting in the way of the one big question that's plaguing her, which is was Yogi Bear an existential nihilist? Here's a clip. Were you up all night watching Grease on the telly? No. Were you? My mum had it on. Oh, I. My mum had it on. She did. Have you seen Grease? Yeah. At the end of the film, he turns up in a white coat like dressed like her, and she turns up in black, dressed like him, and they look at each other, and then... He just takes off his coat, like, yeah, we'll dress like me then. It's not even a discussion. Like, maybe they could dress like her. Like, I know it's the 50s, but that is everyday sexism gone mad. In the sense of sort of global cinema, and that's sort of a nice way of saying American, really. <laughs> um, the, the sort of the style, the tone, the concept of adult life skills isn't particularly original. But it, taken in the context of it being a British film, Lo and behold, yes it is, and this is really something. There is a very 90s Miramax sensibility to this. You could kind of... I mean, who who would have done this kind of... Who was the Zoe Deschanel in the 1990s, really? I mean, Ooh. I don't know. I mean, Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore? I, I won't say Drew uh, Barrymore. I don't know. I don't know. I let me... Let, let, let me, let me uh, Liv let me Tyler, perhaps. Now you need someone quirkier. But you, you could see this being a Miramax film in about 1997 and L- it being a L- festival L- baby. Lily Taylor, maybe? Possibly, possibly yeah. Lily possibly. Taylor, yeah. But this would have been a festival baby in about 97 yeah. and, and a Miramax film. Um, it does have a lot going for it. It feels fresh and it feels intriguing, even though to put it in another context it wouldn't be um it's this brilliantly effective fusion of classically british you know dry humor with sort of global pop culture sort of sensibilities and i like that about it. i mean she's like i'd made the joke about the uh, yogi bear is an existential nihilist that's actually something she comes out with at one point and i love that about it debating the theology of yogi bear but done with a wry British sensibility, and I love that to it. Um, it holds a brilliant balance between the humorous and emotional elements of its story, and that it that it can do so with not so much a detachment, but a, a, an amount, a, a, 
a very considered amount of space for Rachel Tunnard as the director is kind of admirable. And the fact that she is an editor, I think, has put her in the right frame of mind for this because she seems to know that she can step back and take the film in as a whole. She doesn't need mm. to be up close and personal. She can construct the frame as she goes. And she leaves Jodie Whittaker to it. And the performance she gets as a result is fantastic. So you get the fun highs and the emotional lows. And you get them in spades. And she's absolutely brilliant. I actually, It's one of those films that you watch and you just think, wow, do we ever give Jodie Whittaker enough credit? She's really good. She is really good. Um, but it's got a great supporting cast. You've got uh, <clears throat> Brett Goldstein, who's one of those, you know, face you'll know, name you won't. I'm Right that, now. that guy from that thing he's the guy you, know. you, you may have heard in the clip there uh, Lorraine Ashburn who sort of manages to subvert archetyping and uh, Elaine Davis who's actually kind of moving in it um, it's not going to set the box office alight, but then again, it's clearly not intended to. It is a sort of a declaration of intent for someone who is quite clearly one to watch and I think Rachel Tunnard who is as gifted a writer as she is a director here is is someone to watch. She is someone with a really interesting and a really fresh voice. And I'm sort of fascinated. You, you've seen his face now. I've seen you? his face. Yeah. Yeah. You know the guy know from the that guy. thing. Yeah. yeah. And that's the thing. This is a cult classic in the making. I genuinely think that. I think this is something that is going to find a real home when it hits DVD, Blu-ray, Netflix, etc. And it will discover its fans. So before we do the uh, box office top ten, by the way, should we mm. uh, just just break the sad Lego news? Yeah. Let's, uh, yeah. The, the, let's the, let's this talk stuff. about it. Yeah, so it turns out that the Lego Movie sequel has been delayed nearly a year. Yeah. So it was supposed to be 2018. It's now going to be 2019. It's going to be about nine months later. Yeah, something like that. I think has it moved from May to February, I think? I think so, May 2018 to February. So weirdly, it is going to land in the same slot that the first Lego Movie landed in. It is, which might be a bit of a canny marketing studio move. Well, that's the thing, because Lego Batman is also coming out in in a February slot as well. It is, and we've also got the Lego Ninja Go. Ninja Go? Yeah, I think it's Ninja Go. I would say Ninja Go Go, but I know that's not right. Yes, that would never be right. Ninja Go Go would not be right. (laughs) So yes, the Lego movie has been delayed due to a reshuffle at Warner Brothers that has also seen the... uh, They they love to do reshuffles, don't they? But they have also shuffled the uh, Live By Night, which is the Dennis Lehane adaptation by Ben Affleck. Affleck, Yeah, that's now... Is it January or is it sooner? But they have also shuffled, more importantly, the Gerard Butler weather thriller, Geostorm. Oh, wow. (laughs) Come on. That that one sells itself. I mean, the fact that it doesn't start Aaron Eckhart is arguably uh... the worst thing about it. Is is he from from Scotland? I hope so. Well, he's not. He's going to be from the United States of Scotland. That's how. <laughs> yeah. That's how Gerald Butler. Or worked. Egypt via Scotland. Egypt via Scotland. Yeah. Exactly. On which note, should we should we finish the top ten for the week? Yes. Number five. Alice through the looking glass. Now, have you had the pleasure of this yet? <clears throat> no. no I mean, just... I'm I'm not gonna rush out here. I'm gonna wait till it comes on Netflix. To be honest. Well, it's a Disney film, so that actually really could happen. happen. Yeah. Uh, no, I quite liked it, but I think I liked it because I went in with such diminished expectations yeah. after the awful Everybody first is comparing one. it to the first one, which nobody liked. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I, I feel like it's the reason Independence Day 3 could be amazing <clears> because the second was just that poor, and the reason I thought The Matrix re- uh, Revolutions was actually kind of okay because Reloaded was just so dire. Um, Donnie Depp is still awful in it. Uh, but I like pretty much everything else about it. I like the time travel, wacky, you know, uh, Alice in Wonderland thing. I, I, I dig that. Number four. You know what this is. <laughs> you knew what this was. 
Uh, Turtles uh, Out of the Shadows, which I, I really like. I like it. It finally gives, you know, a big screen platform to Stephen Amell. Yeah. And you get Meg- to see Krang. You get to see Krang, who is arguably the weakest link in it. Yeah. And he's not voiced by Fred Armisen. <laughs> Why is he not voiced by Fred Armisen? Don't What's know. wrong with people? Been denied that. I know. Uh, even Megan Fox is tolerable in this. Uh, you've got, uh, you know, Baxter Stockman, Tyler Perry hamming it up. Uh, but actually, they've got the turtles right. They've managed to make the turtles fun and likable and investable. And that's the key to what makes the film fun. And that's what the first one wasn't. Fun. This is an improvement. Number three. Gods of Egypt. Gods of Egypt. Oh, ye uh. gods. This was bad. Um, what can I say? It looks horrible. I think, I think we've said it Boring. all. Boring. we've said it's, it all. You know, Gerard Butler with a Scottish accent pretending to be an ancient Egyptian, yeah. lathered in fake tan. Jeff, n- Jeffrey Rush is collecting that the is, check. Well, the, Ger- yeah. the Gerard Butler thing is, is the best thing about the film, and I never thought, oh, yeah. I'd, never thought I'd be able to say that. Number two. Me before thee. Me before thee. Aye. Well, it slipped from number one finally. I like it. I think it's I a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. I saw it last week. Oh, yeah, yeah you yeah. took Cassie, didn't you? Did yeah. she like it? Uh, she liked it. She didn't cry. She, she didn't def- cry. She definitely welled up. Did she cry at the book? No, she welled up and she she said oh. she was going to cry. Ah, the film. but um, yeah, no no tears were fully shed, but she did enjoy it as did I. Number one, The Conjuring Two: The Enfield Case, which is my name, Mad. <laughs> <laughs> so if you were from a certain district of London, we could call you the Enfield Case. If I was from Enfield, yeah. we need a picture of you next to the Enfield sign and welcome yeah. to Enfield Just sign. Just pointed so at myself. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I liked it. It had atmosphere, it had intensity, it had real suspense. I had a good time with it. I think the cast were all terrific. Um, I would watch it, merrily watch a third. I like the first one. I think this is a worthy follow-up. It's not quite as surprising or quite as shocking, but it still holds true to the sort of quality level. I think it works for the most part. With the latest film news and reviews, this is Offscreen, the on-screen radio show. And we're back and dancing. Who loves a bit of Star Wars disco? Unless it's on that awful Connect game, which was just oh, I've terrible. not, not had the pleasure. Oh, I, I have a copy right here. We'll, we'll play it. We'll play time. it later. We'll that's, play, that's we'll what, play that Meanwhile, let's. Have we got any news we can drop real quick? Darth uh, Vader. Oh, Darth Vader's going to be in Rogue, Rogue One. One. It's he now been indeed. confirmed. <clears throat> so that's 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 an interesting one. I think we that's all kind of knew it. Yeah. But, I, although. I, it has now been confirmed that Ben Mendelsohn is the villain of Rogue One. He is, and he's got a name, and I've forgotten what it is. As have I. Is he Captain or Colonel or something? Uh, director. Oh, Director, that's mm. it. Yeah, Director something. Director something. It'll be a yeah, I hope funny that's, I hope Greek-sounding Greek name. Yeah. So let's talk then about uh, The Secret Life of Pets, which is arguably, Ooh, yeah. arguably one of the bigger titles of the week. Um, this is an animated <clears throat> film from Illumination Entertainment who brought us uh, Despicable Me, and uh, what else did they do? It's pretty much Despicable Me, isn't it? They're doing the Grinch at the moment, and they've got Sing. Did they out, do the Lorax? Yes, they did. Yeah, I think. Oh, that's no, Blue Sky, isn't it? Is that Blue Sky? I always uh, get them confused. Blue Sky. And Blue so Nation. now they've done this, which is effectively a remake of the first Toy Story. So the idea is, your pets, when you are not around, talk to one another. We hear it as animal noises, but they talk to each other with celebrity voices. Um, celebrity <laughs> voices, which include Louis C.K., Hannibal Buress, Eric Stone Street, Lake Bell, uh, Jenny Slate, who's fantastic oh, yeah. in this. Um, Kevin Hart. Pick your poison. Isn't Kevin Hart a little bunny? He's a little bunny. Oh. We're a big voice like this! And 
yeah. So the idea is you've got a young terrier, uh, Max, who is beloved by his owner, who incidentally is voiced by Ellie Kemper, just FYI. Oh, no way. And he, he lives for he lives for his uh, his his owner, who's mm. I forget, Katie. He lives for Katie. But one day, Katie comes home from work with a new dog that she's adopted from the pound, named Duke, who's voiced by Eric Stone Street. And he's a big, overbearing, space-consuming you know, <clears throat> boundary-crossing presence. And before you know it, Max, uh, in his attempts to sort of put Duke in his place on the totem pole, has inadvertently caused the pair to get lost in New York City, get incarcerated by animal control, and then rescued by Kevin Hart's bunny, Snowball, who happens to run <clears throat> a sort of animal activist cell dedicated to the overthrowing of humanity. And in the meanwhile, the Max and Duke's collective friends set out on an adventure of their very own to recover the pair. Here's a clip. Katie brought home a new dog from the pound. She said he's my brother. I don't want a brother. And I don't, I don't even have a bed now. I'm sleeping on the floor like a dog. Why would Katie do this to me? Because she's a dog person, Max. And dog people do weird, inexplicable things like... They get dogs instead of cats. Okay, please don't start now, Chloe. That is not helping. Max, come on. I'm your friend. Okay, and as your friend, I got to be honest with you. I don't care about you or your problems. But if you don't do something about this guy and soon, your perfect little life with your dumb uh, human is going to be over forever. Forever? Forever, ever. Ever, ever. <laughs> it is so strange to not see the dogs when you know, listen to that. I know, but Louis C.K., I mean, he's he's so perfect for this. Yeah. And his does, voice is great, isn't he? He has a great voice, and I, I, I love that he brings his personality to this. Yeah. Because they all, all the animals obviously sort of look like the, the voices provided yeah. to them. Um, Eric Stone Street looks yeah. like that he's dog. He's a big dude. Hannibal Barres as uh, Buddy the Dashend. He's oh, brilliant, and he's captured that. You know that sort of lethargic quality to Hannibal Barras? He's always talking like this. Yeah, that, that per- perfectly yeah. done. Um, say so, You've got this bunch of lovable characters brought to life with really great casting, a really great energised vocal performances. There's a great sort of mismatched classical duo in Louis C.K. and Eric Stone Street who bounce off of each other very well. Um, I say I personally really liked Hannibal Barras. Um, you've got Albert Brooks in there as a homicidal hawk which that sounds great a homicidal hawk trying to overcome his addiction to killing <laughs> and, yes the actual oh. thing and then jenny slate who just owns the show as gidget the pomeranian oh i've seen her yeah. in the trailer the cute I, little I love her white in fluffy this. one she's so adorable yeah. in this and there is something for absolutely everyone in this film even if you like thrash metal there is something for you in this film it is just Perfectly pitched, well-balanced family fun. If there is a complaint to be made about it, it's perhaps that it's not as surprising as it could be. It is really quite just a rehash of Toy, Toy Story, Story 1. Yeah. Given that you know, it's, it's Buzz and Woody lost trying to get home again. Mm. It is homeward bound, if you want to put too far a point in it. Um, and you do kind of think with this kind of talent and the general setup of the film, a kind of an anthology, intermixed anthology movie would have been amazing, but... I'll take this Toy Story style rehash. That's fine because at least it's been done with with vigor, with verve, with with just vivacious fun, and I I really love that about it. I had 
a whale of a time watching, or you know, I had a canine of a time watching it. <laughs> or I had a great time watching it. I really want to watch it again. I, I, you know, I laughed, I cried, I was genuinely thrilled. I didn't actually cry, but you know, you, you laugh, you cry, you, you, laugh, you, cry. you laugh, you cry. You laugh, you cry. But I laughed, I cried. I was genuinely thrilled. This was, and also, it is an outright win for Illumination, who I think if they could keep this up, could be the second ringer on the animation totem pole after Pixar. And you know, bump DreamWorks the third because I think they need it. Are we counting Disney and Pixar? As Disney and Pixar separate? are the same company. Just call They're them not the same they company. They are the same company. Frozen I'll is basically a Pixar movie. No, it's not. Yes, it is. Oh. <laughs> we disagree. Yet <clears throat> again. So let's do we talk about potential franchise that's coming our way. Go on. Uh, hit me. Hit me up. I'm, I'm really happy about this. I'm really excited. I've just got I've got a little bit of news to tie into Secret Life of Pets. Oh, go on. Hannibal Buress. Yeah. He's been cast in something. Oh, he has. I, I did yeah. say this for later for a reason. But go oh, on. Oh, sorry. What's I, he been I cast in? Go on. Spider-Man. 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 You know who else has been cast in Spider-Man? Who else has been cast? Logan Marshall Green from Prometheus. That's one. And, and this one I'm quite excited about, mm-hmm. Martin Starr from Silicon, Silicon Valley, Valley, 40-year-old virgin, super bad. Love that guy. Yeah, he's amazing. And Do you yeah. know who else? Go on. Um, Abraham Atta from uh, Beasts of No Nation. Oh, right. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know. A lot know. of casting news for that flick. Well, it, it starts filming like next week, isn't it? Yes, next it week? It's, it's already started. Oh, it's already started. It's begun. Okay, it's begun. And you know what? Most importantly, though, Robert Downey Jr. is in it. Just want to put that out there. Well, cause... that's good. I mean, heaven forbid this should be a film yeah. that comes out that RDJ isn't in. No, no, you, you can't have a Marvel movie that doesn't have RDJ in oh, it. Otherwise, it would not. suck. And <laughs> Says Van. <laughs> right, so let's talk about Saburo really quickly. Okay. We, haven't, we haven't got a clip for this one because it's uh, it's in Italian. Um, so I want to put this one out there real quick. I'm going to have to use a lot of IMDb for the next two minutes, so I apologise for this because a lot of Italian names, and I am going to screw it up otherwise. Okay. So this is um, an Italian crime drama set in the district of Sabera, which is uh, named for a part of ancient Rome. Uh, what you've got is a politician, uh, Malgardi, I want to say? Malgardi, I'm getting this all wrong. Oh, Malgardi, Malgardi, who's played by Pierre Francesco Favino, who you might remember as being one of the WHO doctors in World War Z. Oh, right, Works yeah. Peter Capaldi. Yeah. Great actor. Face, name you know, face you, uh, face you know, name you don't. One of those. That's the theme of this week's show. Seems to be. Yeah. Um, he is a corrupt MP. Not too corrupt, he just enjoys, you know, a bit of drugs and hooker action. Yeah. You know? And who doesn't? Who doesn't? One day, he accidentally kills an underage prostitute uh, via via drug overdose. And B- bit of a faux pas. A bit of a faux pas. You know, that classic uh, that classic comedy of errors. We've, <laughs> we've all been there at the dinner party. <laughs> you know, um, he kills an underage prostitute with the, oh, by way of a drug overdose, has to get rid of the body and cover it up, and inadvertently finds himself under the thumb of a local, cri- local low-level crime boss, a sort of 20-something crime boss. And... And in the course of this, he is putting into place a plan to turn the Sabura district into Italy's new Las Vegas. And what you have is a film that very quickly starts to feel familiar. And you think, what, what is this reminding me of? And then the most random thought suddenly occurs. Sicario. It feels like the Italian Sicario. And here's where I'm going to absolutely blow your mind, because you look into it, and it's directed by Stefano Salima. Oh, yeah? Who is he? Who happens to be the director of the upcoming sequel to Sicario, Solidado. Solidado? Solidado. Solidado. Which I'm sure they're going to put out a trailer saying in Mexican, Solidado means. Yeah. Because that's just going to be the marketing gimmick. Oh, uh, news about that, by the way. They are making a third Sicario before they made it. yeah. Yeah. And this is... Tense. This is thrilling. This is really engrossing. Uh, Pierre Francesco Favino, brilliant performance in there. Really loved him. 
Um, the, the, I mean, the various storylines running through it, they do all come together and they, they are really tightly interwoven in ways that you don't quite see coming. It is really edge-of-your-seat stuff. And that's it. It does feel like the Italian Sicario. I actually would have taken it a step further if I was getting the director to do a mm. Sicario sequel, which is, why not just tell everyone that this was set in the same universe and actually build a Sicario world? Because that I would be up for. That'd be good. I mean, you could, could imagine the things... You, imagine the Russian Sicario. They all have to have S titles. Hmm. You know, that, they, they could be of brilliant. Course, yeah. Do a Russian Sakari. I would totally watch that. But no, um, do see that it's so well shot. So it's glossy, but rainy at the same time. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's a very Euro gangster film. If you get if you catch my drift. I do catch Very drift. polished. Yeah. Very glass and chrome. Very Euro. Everyone's wearing an Omega kind of Euro. <laughs> And yet, at the same time, Rainian, what was that? What? I feel like you've just made a pretty strong case for remaining in the EU. <laughs> yes, I love Omega, so remain in the EU. Yeah. <laughs> Everybody vote remain. Yeah, but vote uh, remain, I want to keep my Omega. Although, when this goes out... The vote will we'll be know, over. We'll be over, so yeah. we can't influence anyone. No. But... Uh, <laughs> in which case, oh, gee shucks, I didn't see that outcome coming. Yeah, um, play, play both sides. Yeah, play both sides. Yeah, it's the best thing to do. <laughs> But no, uh, did enjoy Sicario. Uh, Sicario Sabura very much. I'm making my own mistake now. You are. Did enjoy it. And I am now really excited for uh, for Soledado. I really am. On the basis of this. On the basis of this, I am on the edge of my seat excited. This director doing the Sicario stuff with Del Toro, with Benicio Del Toro and Josh Brolin. This could be something really amazing. But Sabura, so worth your time. Yeah. So is that going to be your film of the week? It is not going to be my film of the week. Is it going to be Independence Day Resurgence? Oh, of course it is, darling. Of course it is. (laughs) (laughs) No. You went full on, like, abfab. Well, we've got that next week. But uh, no, uh, my film of the week is... I'm going to give it to The Secret Life of Pets. Shocker. Because I had so much fun with it. And but there was no doubt that you were going to. Yeah, yeah. it's not like the Despicable Me movies. You're not going to be irritated by, for instance, Minion present. Although there is a Minion short in front of it, by the way, called Moa Minions. I know, which is why I'm going to completely go for a coffee. Oh, okay. Yeah, as you prior, do. prior to film. That, that, that's fair well, enough. During that. The Minions are now included in the Illumination Studios logo, by the way. I know. Every time I see the trailer... Illumination! For... I know. Every time I see the trailer for Super Life Pets, I'm like, yeah, this looks great. And then I see the Minions and I want to... I know, I know, them. you hate the minions. Yeah. Uh, Nigel told me the other day he hates them as well, so you're, oh, you're yes, in good Nigel. stead. Yes, he did tell me. You. He did tell me to tell you you're in good stead. I have always liked him. Yeah, always. So it seems, based based on your many meetings. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, Secret Life Pets film of the week. Uh, next week though, Kevin Hart mm. back again. He's uh, going to be back every week until the end is. of cinema. He pretty much is. Yeah. Uh, so Central Intelligence next week, yeah. which is going to see Looking him team up with the Rock. And who doesn't love the Rock? Who doesn't? I, I want to see The Rock in everything, I do. He's kind of like the movie equivalent of Dave Grohl. Like, I don't think I've met anyone that, <laughs> that doesn't like him, or doesn't think he's a nice guy. Very, very true. Uh, we have also next week, got one. This, this one might intrigue you, uh, The Colony, starring Daniel Bruhl and oh, yeah. uh, Emma Watson. I heard of that, yeah. Um, we've got Notes on Blindness, which sounds like a really fascinating documentary. It's a Curzon documentary, um, which is um, about a, a theologist who, days before his first child is born, goes blind. So he starts keeping an audio diary of his experience of losing his sight. It sounds really interesting, but uh, that's that's our Curzon release for the week. Uh, We've got uh, Queen of Earth. Do you know this one? I thought you might. Go on, pitch me this one real quick. I I don't know too much about it other than it's got Peggy from from Mad Men. Elizabeth Elizabeth Moss. Moss. Elizabeth Elizabeth Moss Moss and and Catherine Waterston. And Catherine Watson, and it's 
by the guy that did a film called Listen Up Philip that I really enjoyed that had Jason Schwartzman in it. So, uh, of course it did. It's, it's mumblecore at its best. Uh, of course it was. <laughs> you liked a film with Jason Schwartzman, I'm shocked. Uh, Shock. we, have also, we have also got the Venice Film Festival topping film From Afar, which is getting a four-screen release and uh, is not being uh, press-screened oh, by right. the FDA which opens up a political can of worms if you look into it too closely in the subject matter of the film, which is effectively a gay love story. Yeah. Well, this one, we're not quite sure if we're, uh, if we're actually going to see because it's not being press shown, it's not out till Friday, there are no talker screenings, and it's AbFab the movie. They're not doing any... They're not press showing wow. it. They are not at all. Huh. And it's a dead week next week. So... What I don't get is I don't mind a bit of ad fab. How could it? I don't even understand how, how it could get bad reviews. And also, the funniest thing is, is if they had a press show for Abfab, hmm. one of the attendees of that press show, guaranteed, is a guy who's actually been in the show. Who's Kermode? Was Kermode in? The Kermode show? has been in Abfab as himself. That's amazing. About five or so years ago. Yeah. So it would have been kind of funny. Although maybe as a cameo, as a conflict of interest. Yeah. But uh, yeah. So if we do get the chance to see it, we will review it. But otherwise, no. Maybe not. Yeah. So we will try our, our damnedest. We will try our damnedest. We yeah. are we are but mere mortals. We are. So that's all we've got time for <laughs> this week off screen. This has been the Candy Store production for on screen. Don't forget to check out the uh, the podcast edition if you want to see hear the rest of the reviews, uh, which include Crazy About Tiffany's uh, uh, Mama, Mama yeah. and Remainder, which Case keeps pronouncing as Reminder. And thank you for telling everyone about that. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> uh, I've been Van Connor. This has been off screen. I have been as always Case Allen. And we'll be back next week. Just show me the way to get out of here and I'll be on my way. You've been listening to Offscreen. For more news and reviews, visit onscreenfilm.com. Okay, Podcast extras, Mr. Allen. So, uh, <laughs> should we uh, should we start with a review and and then do some news and then Why more not? Reviews? I think you are quite looking forward to this review, aren't you? <sighs> it's this is, this is going to be an experience for you. Okay, so, a bit. <laughs> we're going to start with uh, Crazy About Tiffany's. Are you? Are you crazy about Tiffany's? Uh, are, you, are you crazy about Crazy Tiffany's? I was crazy after the film, that's for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, let's... let's uh, Okay, obviously, this is just a documentary about the Tiffany & Co. brand. Yep. Which, you know, you watch the same pop culture I do. Um, you, you date, we, we date very similar women, it seems. So, yes, yes, we do. <laughs> yeah. So, you, you know literally as much about Tiffany as I do. Yeah. Well, I, um, as I said to you maybe a few days ago last week, I know of the song, I know of the film. That's, yeah, funnily enough, that's the doc- pretty much it. yeah, the documentary dwells on both. Right. And uh, for half an hour apiece, and it's 80 minutes long. So that tells you an awful lot. Uh, so this is the story of the brand Tiffany's. And, well, here's a clip of Katie Couric talking about when she threw her 50th birthday party at Tiffany's. It was an inside job, basically. My friend Carol uh, works at Tiffany. I was trying to find a really cool, fun, different space. We had a cocktail party on the first floor. We served Tiffany's which looked dangerously like um, Tidy Bowl, but they were delicious and strong. I think it will probably go down in history, my personal history, as my best birthday ever. When I die, bury me inside the Jewish star. Um, was it directed by Terence Malick? Well, this is the, well, that was the respected 
journalist Katie Couric. Mm. Uh, it was not directed by uh, Terence Malick. Michael Haneke. It was <laughs> it was directed by Matthew Miel, who is basically a documentarian for hire. Um, <laughs> it sounded like something you would see on E on, it, on the channel E. It plays like it. It really yeah. plays. In fact, can I can I replicate the experience of seeing this film for you? Why not? Right here you go. This this is All what right. you get. You start watching a film. <clears throat> you get about two minutes of a horrible horrible anecdote about Charles Tiffany. And then it starts with uh, the celebrity loving and, well, we like the Tiffany brand because it's just, you wear it and it says quality. You know, it it really speaks to me as a person. Like, it really touches me deep down with my soul. And all you can think is, oh, shit. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> it's a fully authorised biopic. Now, they make no bones about it. It's fully authorised, which is a nice way of saying that Tiffany have signed off on it. Yeah. And so, as you can imagine, coming with that is a certain level of pandering, certain level of corporate pandering. What you get is the requisite, you know, sampling of clips from Bride Wars, Sex and the City, uh, uh, Sweet Home Alabama, basically any movie in which, you know, the guy has proposed to the girl by way of Tiffany's. Mm. The, the fact they didn't include that clip from the newsroom in which uh, Jeff Daniels whips out a Tiffany's engagement ring is beyond me because, you know, as a guy, that's my favourite Tiffany's moment. But um, it features so much in the way of celebrity salivating that you are frankly gobsmacked for a good chunk of the film. You're gobsmacked that they didn't actually go so far as to dig up Audrey Hepburn and parade her body in front of the camera as well. Although, they have an answer for that as well, because they then go and spend what seems to be a solid half hour talking about the movie Breakfast at Tiffany's. Get, well, we, I I can't really yeah I can't disagree with that because I I just said that's that's where my association with Tiffany's kind of ends R- right. Just, just to put I, that I've in context, that film. put that in context. Imagine yeah. right, you know the American burger chain White Castle, right? You're, you're <laughs> I, aware. Of I know. It. You know exactly, where I'm I know going. Exactly. Imagine Douglas. if there was an 80 minute documentary about White Castle, the burger chain, yeah. and they spent half an hour talking about Harold and Kumar. That'd be great. I like Cal Penn. He's a great man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but they but they don't have the actual actors to talk to. Cal Penn worked in the White House. He, God he damn did. It. He really did. Yeah. Um, so you know, you go through all that, and you're thinking, "Good Lord, this is just dreadful." And then, in what might be one of the most bizarre things you've ever seen, they get the band, the lead singer of the band Deep Blue Something, on camera. Yeah, yeah, that that gobsmacked look on your face right now. That's exactly what oh. I had. And they get him to spend half an hour talking about discussing and playing acoustically the song Breakfast Breakfast at Tiffany's, Tiffany's, which, and I think it's important to hammer this home, has exactly sod all to do with Tiffany's the brand. Did they just talk to some girl called Tiffany as well? You know what? Funnily enough, one of the talking heads in this is Jennifer Tilly, who actually provided the voice of Tiffany in the Chucky series. I'm not making that up. They don't acknowledge that on camera, although no. you kind of feel like they should. Put it this way. It is... So so we just typed to Google, Tiffany. Yeah, yeah. And, and got this. And they talk about, uh, oh, the colour is a trade secret. And really, it's only, we, we, we do, we mix it here specifically for Tiffany's. And it's a formula that we can only share with uh, specific licensed partners for the Tiffany brand. Now, here's Kate Hudson. And you're like, what? 
At one point, Jessica Biel is paraded around there as an A-list star. The, the, I mean, you literally... The, there's a whole point at which they start talking about um, how Charles Tiffany actually mm. invented what we perceive as the notion of the engagement ring. And you think, well, okay, that's actually quite fascinating. Because I'd never considered that. It, it's done in a way where you think, actually... Apple invented the smartphone. It's like if you say that, Apple invented the smartphone, and then you say the iPhone changed smartphones. He did the same thing, it seems, with the engagement ring. ring. They yeah. existed, but they weren't popularised. He was the dude to do it. And the yeah. exact design of an engagement ring, popularised. And this sounds genuinely interesting, doesn't it? Yeah. It does. Now, I'm if thinking, it focused more on that and not just thinking, like a kiss like, that is, puff piece. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. is a really interesting thing. Now, for a documentary about an iconic jewellery brand... That's something I'd be very interested in. How he pretty much invented the engagement ring. How he popularised it. How he put it into films. How it became a big thing on on Fifth Avenue. All this, that is really fascinating. However, what I've just told you is the extent of it. Before Mm. we cut to Jessica Biel on the red carpet with a necklace on. Which one is Jessica Biel? Is she lady that's married to Justin Timberlake? Yes. Yeah. Which is about the most famous thing about her now. Because she I'm, doesn't do a lot now. Does she I'm pretty sure no one else in that screening also. room knew who Jessica Biel was. Yeah. Um, it, it is the most pandering piece of marketing consumerist pornography I, I've seen in ages. It, it's it's, it's um, a, an act of materialistic fellatio, to put it politely. It is, honest to God, just salivatingly, face punchingly awful. It is the kind of film that exists in two places and two places only. One, in the waiting room to the fifth ring of hell, and the fitting rooms of Tiffany's. Those are literally the <laughs> only places you should be able to... I mean, it'll probably wind up on Netflix, don't get me wrong. Oh, of course But so. it is just soul-destroyingly... Or you're watching it thinking, I, I, I can't tell what anybody thought the whole gist of this was because it seems to be a puff piece and then it quickly devolves into let's just talk about and focus on anything associated with the name Tiffany's. And my favourite, absolute favourite point about it, I mean, ignoring the fact that they focus on uh, Deep Blue Something, for more time than VH1 would dedicate an episode of Behind the Music to them if they actually ram-raided a branch of Tiffany's. Probably longer than what their successful music career was. Oh, God, yeah. Because they, they have that song. They have that song. Really? And... and that's the worst part, because yeah. you, having now seen the film, I'm now forever going to associate one of the cheerier pop numbers of the 1990s with something this vile, which is horrible. It is Awful. It's like uh, it, it's kind of like how you always associate that wonderful cover of, of Where Is My Mind at the beginning of Big Ass Spider with scenes of death and destruction. Except that at least is fun. This has nothing in the way of fun. This is a smarmy, smart ass affair for bellends. It is the sort of film that interviews people, fashion people, so they're forever saying things. Oh, we love to watch the Oscar comments because then, like, you look for your clients and you say nice things about them, but you wait for like your friends, and then you like you, you just like trash talk like what the clients wearing. I mean, that's, and it's, that's like, always so to, to watch the Oscars, isn't it? Well, right? yeah, clearly, evidently. So. And and best part is every time one of them says something that's actually factually inaccurate, which you know having a conversation conversation with a person happens all the time. Mm. Not everything's going to be 100%. They actually use on-screen annotations to point out that what this person just said is complete nonsense. So it's like, uh, well, you know, I'm doing this because like, I'm a Leo and she's a Leo. And it comes up on screen, <laughs> actually not a Leo. You're like, what? Who cares? What? What does 
that have to do with it? Is it it like like an asterisk? Yes! Actually, with an asterisk and and what looks like uh, Comic Sans writing, but done with a bloody stylus. It does that. There's a great moment in which uh, Jennifer Tilly, who, by wearing a low-cut dress because she's Jennifer Tilly, um, makes a comment about the size of the jewellery she buys and says, you know, in that sultry phone sex operator voice that she has, which I adore, um, says... Yeah, don't go besmirching Jennifer Tilly's <laughs> oh, no. voice. I, I love oh, a bit of Tilly, man. I love a bit of Tilly. Um, there's a moment in which she says, oh, I like large things. And the camera then has a prolonged close-up of her rack. And you're thinking... What is this? It's it's just I can't. I don't want to live in this place any. I don't want to live on this planet anymore. I don't. So you didn't like it? Here's some film news. Yeah. Okay. Um. You know how Numi Rapace wasn't going to be in uh, Alien Covenant. Oh yeah, she is now. She is now. Yeah. Because she's filming it for several weeks. Good what, what you got? Uh, Bry. Bry Cran. Oh, Brycon! Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. We, got, yeah. We, we got to our Brycon, man. <laughs> Brycon. We got to our okay. Brycon. Uh, so, Brycon. How long? How long ago? Twenty years, twenty-five years ago, he was in uh, the Mighty Morphin Power, uh, Power Rangers. Rangers. Twenty-two years ago. <laughs> I feel like someone was a fan in the nineties. I was, in fact, a Power Rangers fan. Okay, so Brian Cranston. They've got the ability to morph and to even up the score. You know. I've heard that. <laughs> uh, he voiced a character, a villain, who was called was he Snizzard? Uh- he voiced several of oh, them. Yeah, the, I, I know. Now, I know one was called Snizzard because it was a yeah. snake and a lizard. You, you've got to be very careful because there seems a lot of fallacies about who Brian Cranston voiced in uh, Power Rangers. And the fact that that wasn't that was indeed one because mm. I've seen. Oh, that, that, that is. Yeah, yeah. He, he did supporting villains. Yeah, people seem to think he was the main villain. He was uh, Lord oh, no, Zed, no, 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 which is very weird. And he wasn't. Although I thought it for a long time, so completely fine. Oh, did you? Yeah, mm. I, I, it's obviously a widespread enough idea because I believed it myself. It kind of makes sense. Yeah. He's, yeah. He was supporting Billy. Yeah. One of the characters is named after him. I was just going to say, yeah, uh, yeah, Blue, Blue Ranger. Billy uh, Cranston. Billy Cranston was named after Brian yeah. Cranston. Well, he's coming back. He's coming back home, but he's going to be playing Zordon. I know. Which is How cool. How awesome is that? Zordon, is, he's a big head in the tube, isn't he? He, he is. Now, my my thought was, let's get Patrick Stewart for that. But uh, if, you need, if you need a guy with a big bald head. Yeah, yeah, if you need a guy with a big bald head. He's your man. Good at Sir Pat Stewart, man. <laughs> Sir um, Pat Stewart. Either him or Michael Chiklis. Actually, his Twitter name, isn't it? At Sir Pat Stewart. It is. It is. Yeah. <laughs> Sir Pat Stewart. Yeah, or Michael Chiklis. But you know, after having seen the do-over, no, never. If you need a beefier, bald-headed guy, go go with Michael Chiklis. Although, I'm really happy it's Cranston. That's daddy's, what was daddy's his name awesome. from, from Breaking Bad? Not Cranston. What? Walter but, White? No. Oh, who do you mean? Hank. What's, what's his name in real life? Hank. Oh, uh, Dean Norris. Dean Norris. Dean Norris, yes. yeah. You can get Dean Norris at a push. You, you could get Dean, Mor- Dean Norris at a push. Probably for um, cheaper. Was well. he in recently? It was Under the Dome he did, didn't it? Oh, he yeah. He was all right. That show was he he was all right in that. Um, speaking of Breaking Bad, yeah. the, the probably one of the most popular characters in Breaking Bad was uh, Gus, Gus Fring? Gustavo Fring. Gustavo Fring. Played by Giancarlo Esposito, who recently appeared in Money Monster. Yeah, he was in the... Uh, yeah, he was, he was quite good at that. He was quite He was good also in uh, The Jungle Book as well. He was. Wasn't he Mowgli's adopted father? Yeah. Um, Arkela? Something like that, yes. Yeah. Akela, I want to say? Yeah, I don't know if Arkela is the exactly. dad over mum, but... I know he's the dad anyway. Yeah. Lupita Nyong'o was the, the mother. Papa, Papa Wolf. Papa Wolf. Yeah. Yeah. Big Daddy Wolf. Anyway, it sounds like a WWE wrestler's name, doesn't it? Even that or like a Martin Lawrence comedy. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> Martin Lawrence is a Big Daddy Wolf. I, I feel like that's what you'd get if you got uh, Will Ferrell to star in a Dog the Bounty Hunter parody movie 
called Big uh, Big Daddy Wolf. <laughs> That's exactly what it would That's be. exactly what it would be. And it would play like the Bitch Hunter sketch from 30 Rock. Yeah, it was. <laughs> <laughs> that was so good. I need that. I need that as a series. I really yeah. do. Uh, so Giancarlo Esposito mm. has signed on to star in the new film from uh, uh, Boon Jung Ho. Who is the oh, director amazing. of Snowpiercer, Snowpiercer, which we loved, and we're still waiting for a theatrical release. Yeah, so. if anyone in uh, distribution would like to release Snowpiercer anytime soon, it's or... been three years. Yeah, it's been three years. Come on. It's, yeah, it's it's getting on a bit now. I mean, <laughs> it's beyond a joke. I'm buying that French Steelbook any day now. If you don't release this film, this side of 2020 would be nice. Hmm. But also, I mean, I love that film. Yeah. So anyway, it's he's so gonna star in in Bung Jung Ho's uh, follow up, which is called uh, Okja. Mm, I don't know too Okja. much about it. I know Okja. that uh, Tilda Swinton is in it. She's playing twins uh-huh. again. I can tell you something about it. Give me, give me some details. Okay, right, right. So it's about give a young, it's about a young Korean girl who must defend her her beloved pet, mm. her, her beloved best friend, who happens to be a genetically enhanced or genetically modified pig-like creature, cool. named Okja, from the evil corporation that created it. Uh, the head of the corporation is Tilda Swinton. Uh, she also nice. plays her own twin sister, I believe, as well. Uh, Paul Dano is starring as an animal rights activist who's trying to expose the corporation. And Jake Gyllenhaal is a zoologist. That's what it is. And, I thought that he was in it. Yeah, and Giancarlo Esposito, a.k.a. Gus Fring, a.k.a. Gustavo Fring, a.k.a. the one who doesn't knock, um, is playing the head of security, the mu- the muscle for Tilda Swinton. Oh, that's cool. This is going to be awesome. I can't wait. Has that I, got a release date? It doesn't have an actual release date as of yet, but, you know, we are still waiting for Snowpiercer. So, this so rate, at this rate, we could see... 2030. We'll we could say. see out during 2030. Yeah. You know, or we just wait for US Netflix to get it so those of us with VPNs can watch it in our own time. Shh. <laughs> Don't give away our secret. <laughs> is there anyone that doesn't know about the VPN Netflix thing, really? Um, Netflix, so, I think. Well, no, no, they, they do seem to know. They're shutting them down as quickly mm. as they can pop up. All right, one more, one more piece. One more then, before, okay, we go, review, before we do a review. Before we do a Let's talk about uh, a star is born. Oh yeah, I really like this news actually. Right, I'm so, a fan. Bro, so it was going to be directed by Clint Eastwood. Yeah, it's going to be remade. It was going to start uh, be directed by Clint Eastwood and star Beyonce and Bradley Cooper and Bradley Cooper. Now Clint Eastwood dropped out because he was he was getting frustrated with all the stop and starts of it, and yeah. this would be the third remake of it, I believe. <clears throat> more than third that. remake, but the actual fourth version. This is the third. I thought remake. it was fifth. Oh, no, I'm counting major film versions. Oh, right. Solely. There are other platform yeah, versions. Because the, the Chris Christopherson, Barb Streisand, that was already a remake. Like, that was. That yeah. was the second, second version. Third, that was yeah. the second. That, no, that was the. That was the third remake. Hmm. That was the th- third version, second remake. Sorry. Yeah, it's a story that's been done to death. It's been done to death. So, Clint Eastwood stopped. He, he dropped out. And he suggested, since Bradley Cooper was looking around for something to make his directorial debut with. That he step in, and now he is. But Beyonce has been forced to drop out because she has a lot of you know scheduling issues, and uh, you know I think yeah. I think Jay Z forgot to pick up the curly fries, so she's gonna, she's going to drop an album. She's having a fight with Becky with the good hair. Yeah, yeah, Becky sort with the, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But uh, but those curly fries, man. Seriously. Yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> and uh, I know. Uh, so in her place will be Lady Gaga. Mm. And do you know what? The internet seems happy about this. Yeah, we put I put it out can, on our feed, and people. I can really see that working. I think that'd be good. I could, I could live with her. That's, that's yeah. fine. You know? And obviously, it's not going to be a remake of the Babs uh, version. But Babs Chris version. Yeah. Ba- Babs and Chris. But there is a bit of a striking resemblance between Lady Gaga and Barbara Streisand. Well, yeah. yeah I mean, they look the, about the same age. 
I mean, <laughs> that's either an insult or a compliment, depending yeah. if you're Lady Gaga. Should, should we just leave that as ambiguous? Yeah, because you don't want to be sued by Barbara Streisand. No, 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 she strikes me as a kind of get kind of personal about it. She's like an evil version of Oprah, like all the money in the world. The last time I saw Barbara Streisand in a film, I actually quite enjoyed her presence, and that was uh, was it the guilt trip? It was the guilt trip. I really trip, enjoyed that, which I watched with my mum on Mother's Day, and she loved it. I saw it with my mum, not on Mother's Day, but yeah, I, yeah. I had a good time watching it. She, she really enjoyed it. I, was, I thought oh, that's kind of there. You are, like Babs. There are compliments. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Take 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 it away, Babs. Enjoy them. So let's talk <laughs> about uh, Mama for a moment. Oh yeah, Mama, Mama, because it's two mama. separate words, Mama. And uh, it's, this stars uh, Penelope Cruz, who's also involved uh, very much in the production of it. She's a producer. Cool. I, think, I think she's a co-writer oh, wow. um, as well. And um, she's, uh, <laughs> she's, she's very much the, the face on the poster star for this one. And uh, so this is the story of a young woman who, um, Magda, uh, who is it? She's more or less a single mum. Her husband is stepping out on her. She seems to be quite aware of it. They live very separate lives. And uh, while their son is uh, away at camp, she discovers she gets diagnosed with breast cancer and decides to undergo therapy for this cancer whilst the son is away without having to bother him with it. In the course of the treatment for the cancer, she begins to form a whole new set of relationships in her life. She begins quite a deep friendship with um, her, her doctor. She finds a new potential love interest as well. And she winds up basically making a lot of changes in her life, leaving the husband, for instance, pursuing this newfound love she's she's discovered, and even even sort of creating a new family, really, with the new husband, the new boyfriend who mm. eventually becomes her husband. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, <clears throat> the cancer forces her to live her life a completely different way. She always feels like there's a ticking clock on it, and it basically becomes an ongoing debate about can she reach a stage where she feels her life is complete enough for her family to go on without her before the cancer takes its toll and she's unable to do anything more. Now, we haven't got a clip because it's all in Spanish. Um, now, Penelope Cruz is great in this. She she is absolutely fantastic in it. Um, she's very much, she's one of those actors. Do you like Penelope Cruz? Uh, yeah. yeah. I, I like I her like quite it. a bit. And But I, she's one of those, I think, I think of her in the same way, I think of Tom Cruise, actually, which is to say, when she's not in a film, I tend to forget she exists. And then she appears in a film, and you're like, oh yeah, I like you, actually. You forget that Tom Cruise exists. I do, he's kind of inconsequential. He's um, not just constantly running around Well, in, I'm, in I'm, I'm more than four feet tall, so if I'm looking straight ahead, it's possible to believe that Tom Cruise doesn't exist. And yeah. Anyway, um, <laughs> that was such an Alan Frank joke, that really was. I know. Alan Frank, who's famous. It, it was great, you, you were just... It was like you were quite seemingly happy that there was some yeah. that was shorter than you. But I, I really you was. You really enjoying that. Uh, Alan's favorite 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 quote: "Life is like Tom Cruise, short and pointless." Um, <laughs> <laughs> short and pointless. You might as well enjoy it. Um, <laughs> so, Mission Impossible. <laughs> I know. <laughs> no, I love that guy. Uh, but no, I really like her in this, and she hits the emotional highs and the 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 sort of desperate lows mm. really, really tightly. And it's a performance that I, I do feel that because she's as involved with it as she is, that she's managed to basically... She's not really had to put that much effort into it. It seems to come quite naturally to her. There are a couple of weak links in there. There's a... Uh, oh, what's his name? Uh, Asia Extendia. Extendia? That sounds like a spell Extendia. From Extendia, who plays Julian, who's the doctor. And he 
I, and this he's more a victim of writing than anything else. The writing seems to have framed his platonic friend character in a very out of step, very off kilter, and very ill fitting overly sentimental and cheesy way and his performance really doesn't help ground it at all it is very far-fetched very over the top now it's largely written and directed by uh julio medem hmm. whose directorial body work offhand i'm not entirely uh, familiar with ah sex and lucia that's what i know him for all oh, right yeah yeah uh, he was also one of the directors of, uh, in uh, seven days in havana but uh, you do. He's got a decent enough eye for it, and it does fit the story. However, his script really drops the ball when it comes to that core relationship between Magda and and Julian. What which one of the core relationships? And it it really really doesn't help the foot of the film in any way. It sinks it quite badly. And what you feel like you've got is uh, you know a, a, an a, a enthralling, very fascinating character drama about this woman struggling with cancer. It's a very compelling story. And then there's a song and dance number. And yeah, that came out of the blue. Did a bit. Yeah. Yeah. Is it good? Uh, Oh, he can sing, I suppose. But carry a tune. He can carry a tune, but he just gets on the stage and starts singing, because that's what what you do. Yeah, yeah. I'm also incredibly fascinated, actually, by some of the practical effects that are included <clears throat> in this, because they they include a lot of uh, practical effects uh, cr- created sequences of her cancer treatment, and some of them are outright horrifyingly uh, harrowing. Mm. That uh, you, quite detailed. You, you kind of wonder, like, how have you done that? Mm. But uh, I, I'm, I'm, you, you, you try looking for the CGI seams. Not, not really a thing that they aren't there to be seen. Yeah. I was, I was quite fascinated by that. Take note, Roland Emmerich. <laughs> yeah, take note, Roland Emmerich. <laughs> Texturing. That's how you do effects. <laughs> Texturing. Have you heard about uh, uh, DreamWorks? And uh, I know they're a company. They exist. They're a company. They, they occasionally exist. make animated films. They, they do occasionally. I, I would say they sometimes are sometimes they're all right. They're the third best animated film producer. After Disney, Pixar, and Illumination. Illumination! I would put someone ahead of Illumination. Oh, go on. No, I don't even want to say it, because go you're on. just going to say, of course you will. Of course you are. What are you going to do? Like a... You know what? Fair enough. No way. Mm, fair you, enough. Do you know what? You've not even said Studio Ghibli. Oh, yeah. Oh, I forgot that one. Get down, Illumination. Get all the way down. <laughs> yeah, but you know what? When Studio Ghibli cranks out something as badass as The Secret Life of Pets... I, 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 I will suck at the teat. Until then. <laughs> I don't want to ever see, like, mini versions of, like, bloody Totoro. <laughs> I don't want to see Totoro minions. They probably exist on Tumblr somewhere. Totoro, else. is that a Japanese minion? I'm kidding, I'm kidding. Um, so, right. Um, I, I did have a point. And... I've, I've got some film news. Let's just move I, I on. I had some film news. That was it. So, okay, right. So, Go DreamWorks on. got bought by Comcast. Oh, yeah, of course, yeah. yeah. Who, of oh, course, right. own Universal. They do. Uh, so DreamWorks is technically now under the Universal banner. Mm. Um, this is where it gets interesting. Um, so, one of DreamWorks' more famous characters is now going to be making a comeback. Yeah. Because yeah. money and sequels and franchises. Because money and sequel franchises, yeah. Uh, Shrek is going yeah. to be coming back. He's going to be rebooted. And this is where it gets really bad. I didn't know it was going to be rebooted. I thought it was just going to oh, no. be... A reboot. People holding money in front of Mike Myers. Oh, no. No, 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 no. I'm going to get to exactly why they couldn't afford to do that in a moment. Right. They are planning to unleash up to four feature films of, of Shrek per year. What? 
this is what they actually want to do. They want to release four per year. Four per year. Now think about that logically. If a film, I, a, I an animated like film, an, an animated film in a multiplex <laughs> does stick around for three months, we could actually see a world in which there is well, always a there. Shrek movie in a cinema. No, people get fed up. People won't go. They'll get. Uh-huh. They'll get annoyed that that the ticket sales aren't coming through, and so we'll just we'll pull the whole thing. It'll be a failed experiment, and I will laugh in the face. And they well, won't care because I'm just a guy do, on a podcast. Let's just do that. <laughs> uh, funnily enough, the guy that's going to be overseeing it is Chris Melodondri, who is the uh, he is the producer of uh, the guy, the head of Illumination. He ah. is the producer of uh, Despicable Me and Secret Life of Pets. We're going to see a Shrek Minions crossover. I, I feel like, given that Minions belong to Universal, that is now an actual possibility. possibility. So yeah. I shall see. Apparently, Chris Murdoldry's remit is to see how much diversification he can craft out of each property. Which is a nice way of saying, how much can we flog it? Yeah, how much <coughs> can we make it for? Hey, on the plus side, at least you know they won't be able to afford to bring uh, Eddie Murphy back, so we can uh, ditch that character once and for all. Yeah, but we'll probably just get Kevin Hart instead. Really? I'm thinking Anthony Mackie. I'm thinking because Kevin Hart was in Secret Life of Pets, oh, yeah, and yeah, yeah. he'll work as much as what The Rock does, and The Rock likes to work, and that leads me to a bit of news. Go on, go for it. Do you know what? Rock's got another film. Has it bloody another hell, film. really? This is this is just a rumour at this stage, but I'm sure that if you, follow, if you follow his Twitter and Instagram, it'll be confirmed within mm-hmm. the next day. So, uh, Universal are doing their Movie Monsters universe thing. Yes. So, upcoming, we've got Tom Cruise in The, in the Mummy. Uh, Johnny uh, Depp and the Invisible Man? Yeah. Uh, uh, Russell Crowe Crow is Jekyll Dr. Hard. Jekyll and Angelina Jolie, possibly Brian Frankenstein. That's the one, yep. Dwayne Rock Johnson, The Wolfman. Oh my, what? Really? Yeah, I know. It's just, yeah. Give Benicio another chance, man. That guy barely needed makeup effects. Yeah, that, that film was bad. It was terrible. Yeah. It's nothing to do with the cast. That's studio interference, that. The studio yeah. interference and Joe Johnson, yeah. who has only made two good films. Was one of them the Rocketeer? One of them was Rocketeer. Was the other one Captain America the First Avenger? Yes, it was. And that's only because it led to better things. Okay, fair enough. I'm glad we agree on what the two great Joe Johnson movies are. Yeah. Didn't he do Jurassic, Bo- Jurassic Park 3? Yes. The the one with the talking raptor. <laughs> Alan. 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 <laughs> <laughs> yes, he did do that. Oh, dear God, that's bad. But yeah, that that will probably be confirmed and yeah. But if, if you don't like that, Dwayne Rock Johnson movie will be another one a week after. Yeah, so it's, fine. Yeah. it's fine. Yeah, it's fine. Totally don't worry about happen. it. Uh, let's stick with Universal for a moment. Oh, yeah? Uh, because they have announced a release date for a long, long-awaited project this week. What's this? Uh, it turns out that in Christmas 2019, after, I want to say, 10 or so years of waiting, already at this point, we will finally, finally see a big-screen adaptation of Wicked. Yeah. The Broadway music, the iconic Broadway musical, the musical that gave us Edina Menzel. Uh, sorry, Adele, Adele, Adele Dazeem. Yeah, Adele Dazeem. Yeah. Get, Adele get it right. Yeah, don't do, yeah. don't do, a, don't do a John Travolta. Don't Call her by her actual man. name, Adele Dazeem. <clears throat> Adele Dazeem. Yeah. And uh, and also Kristen Chenoweth as well. She kind oh, of rose she... out of that. Well, she she was obviously doing stuff before that, but she was. Yeah. But I think that made her more of a household name. I would say. In terms of the place where she. Found mm. fame. Yeah, people were I, like, oh yeah, she's an amazing Broadway singer and actress. She's I can never decide if I'm attracted to Christian Jenner with or not. Um, oh. She's a little bit too short for me. Yeah, I like the whole Tinkerbell I'm thing. A, anyway, um, <clears throat> but yeah, that's... moving on. <laughs> 
But now that has been officially greenlit. I mean, when is Hamilton going to be made? Yes, no, that's, that's the thing, isn't it? That's the thing. Um, have you have you heard Hamilton? I know this isn't film related. This is stage musical related. But Hamilton um, is now going to be opening in multiple cities around the US. Yes. Um, uh, Lin Manuel Miranda has said he will step in in any given city for any of the actors who need a few days off. Yeah, and you're like that is amazing. He's what just, a guy! He's just a dude. He really is. Yeah. I'm hoping that extends to the London one. He is, he is the Dave Grohl of musical theatre. Well, I am on the waiting list for the London one. As am I. As are am are I you on as well? Of course. Oh I am. man, we need to we need to collaborate our schedules for that. It needs to work. We do. It needs to happen. Why don't we just do a two day thing? We hit uh, Mormon while we're down there. And... Oh yeah. Yeah. Well, here's the thing. Cassie went to go see Book of Mormon without me last year. We which ah, almost bitch. ended our relationship. Like I proposed, and then that happened, and I wanted to, I wanted to rescind it. <laughs> I was like, "Can I get that back?" And I put it on eBay. And but yeah, if if we could do that, that'd be amazing. That would be awesome. Yeah. And now people just listen to us making our plans. Yeah, yeah. This yeah. this is how we this is how we plan. Come along, lives. people, join us. Yeah, come yeah. along, get to see Hamilton. Yeah. But uh, okay, so uh, should we do one last review? We can finish out okay. with some more film news. But, yeah, I've, uh, I've got a few more pieces, but let's uh, hear about. This film. Oh, Remainder. Yeah. So Remainder, which is, this is the debut feature film from uh, Omar Fast, who is a, uh, a video artiste, an actual artist, but utilising the format of video. Uh, Israeli guy, who is evidently a bit of a big deal. Now, I'd never heard of him, and I'll be really honest, I haven't done that much research into him, because it's the art world, and I try and stay away, unless I need free wine. Anyway, um, you go to a gallery, it's, 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 yeah, it's an easy time. Um, so, you will not find a better looking film this year. This side of Tale of Tales. But, uh, okay, so this is the story of uh, 20-something named Tom. He's played by Tom Sturridge, who, I, you know, I didn't really know him from anything, and if you actually physically see him, he sort of looks like the poor man's Matt Smith, if you can mm. imagine such a thing. Um, he is a 20-something, gets injured when, I think it's like an air conditioner or something, falls out of a London tower block and lands on his head. And, yeah, yeah really, that actually happened. And uh, as a result, he is sort of impaired both physically and mentally, and he's given a massive compensation grant. He's given eight and a half million pounds in exchange, basically, for his silence. What he then does over time is because he starts to feel kind of withdrawn from the world, he finds it difficult to find a foothold, he can't establish relationships, his memories all over the place. What he does is he he takes his money and he funnels it into staging life-size recreations of his fragmented memories, as if some sort of functioning living art exhibit that he can reset and rejig on command. And although this starts to give him some minute level of satisfaction, what it actually does is spiral out of control to the extent that he starts beginning to relive his dreams and things that he witnesses in the news. And it quickly becomes a game of of what's right and wrong, what's real and what's not, and what's, 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 all, what's set in the real world, what's fantasy, and basically where the line between the two has gone as it quickly starts to disintegrate. Uh, we have a clip. About the past. Is that you? I can say very little. By signing this document, you agree not to discuss the accident in public. Essentially... You have to forget it ever happened, legally speaking. Something fell down from the sky, and then nothing. Keep thinking you don't even remember me. I have big gaps, but some things are starting to come back. Like what? 
So trailer clip there, because it's a bit difficult to get a hold of a clip for this one. What you've got here, um, <clears throat> this isn't in any... I want, I want to stress this straight off the bat. This is in no way a bad film. Now, I want to, I want to really hammer that point home, because some of what mm. I'm going to say may sound negative, <clears throat> and I assure you it's not meant that way. Um, this is quite an impenetrable film. It's a very difficult film to to find a foothold with, to, to, to cerebrally access. It exists within... The sort of the realm of Chuck Palahniuk and Brace Nellis, if you can imagine, it's based mm. on a, a novel by Tom McCarthy, um, and say so it, it's very Chuck Palahniuk, very Brace Nellis, but it's the really heavy end of both of those writers. It is very much a we are not going to stop and explain anything here. We're not going to stop. We're not going to give you insight. Just go with it, and that's it. Um, it's not to say that is, none of that is meant to be a damning statement, but it is an exclusionary film. And that's something that you really have to bear in mind. It's very, very well made. I have to stress that. It's, it exists somewhere halfway between... You remember Synecdoche, New York? Yes, of course yeah. I do. Oh, you like it, I'm guessing, don't you? Look at you talking to. Come God, on. I hate you. I know. Um, <laughs> Why are we friends? <laughs> so you know the bits when he starts creating the the, the life size recreations of, of of like a world in Synecdoche? Mm. Imagine that, and then Danny Boyle's trance. If you fuse those two together, you'd be somewhere in the realm of this film. So it can be quite off-putting. And what doesn't help in that regard is that Tom Sturridge, as the lead, is really, really uninvolved, really withdrawn. Mm. And at first, you can find it even more off-putting as a result. However, as the film continues to unfold, what you actually get is this reframing of the Tom character in such a way that his emotional you know his emotional distance and the manner in which he is withdrawn form this sort of unlikely macabre anchor for the audience like an emotional anchor and you kind of you have to run with it and it hmm. works however it is a really twisted affair it is and i say he has got the requisite chops to pull it off he's a a decent enough lead but he he is sell, he's mostly successful in selling just how unsettling it is um one of the person i do want to single out because they are very sparse with the time they give characters is uh, arsha ali from four lions he was the one who turned up in the in the university lecture yeah. with the the, the you know, a fake bomb vest or something. Yes. Yeah, that guy mean. turns up as his sort of facilitator, as his enabler. And he has a very subdued performance here. And it, it surprisingly, against all odds, somehow manages to resonate. It's a mostly um, you know, facially emotive performance, but it manages to resonate amongst all these really dark-hearted and surrealist <laughs> moments. But that's the problem. It's 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 not partic- on, on the writing front. It hasn't been particularly well constructed. Mm. Um, it does feel like it has been slavish to uh, to source material, and and that seems to have shot it in the foot. Because rather than opening up the source material, rather than trying to attract new audience, what you create is a film that will largely only appeal to those people who loved the work of the original author anyway. And who also liked Omar Fast. But that's the thing. You'll come out, you'll think, I have seen something special. I have seen something interesting. But mostly, you're going to be wearing this mixed, sort of mixture of emotions on your face, halfway between pondering and bewildering. And you're just going to be there. And that's the thing. The that's, film... that's generally where I am most of the time, anyway. Well, that's it. The, the, yeah. It's a film of halfways, because everything is halfway between one thing and another. But having said that, it's amazing to look at. So, <laughs> Well, at least it was... 
there's something it's got on Independence Day Resurgence. Yeah, it's an yeah. amazing. It's amazing to look at. It's just particularly baffling to try and figure out. You know, it's kind of like Sarah Silverman. Anyway, <laughs> so let's go with. Uh, I like Sarah Silverman. He's... Can't figure it out. Baffling. No. Yeah. Anyway, <laughs> John Boyega. Yes, we got to talk about him. So he has got a film project coming up. He's teaming with uh, Catherine Bigelow. She won an Oscar for The Hurt Locker, which I wasn't a big fan of. Was she so, the first yeah. female director to ever win? To, uh, to win Best Director, yeah. 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 Which is pretty good. That's, that's, that's a good thing. But yeah, they are going to be uh, teaming up, doing a film about uh, the Detroit riots in yes, the 1960s. Yes, this, this has been a long time coming as well. I know she's it been wanting to yeah. do it for a while. Someone interesting is writing that, and I forget um, who. Mark Bowl. That's it. I don't know if he did both Zero Dark Thirty and Hurt Locker, but he might have just done Hurt Locker. I think I know and he did. I know he did. No, I thought no, he did both. Did he do both? He did, I think he did both. Well, he's he's doing this as well. He's pretty good. Um, somebody from Game of Thrones as well. Uh, hmm. Gilly, she was in Skins. What's her name? Hannah oh. Murray. I f- yes, yes, yeah. I, I think so. Yeah, she's also going to be involved. So oh, that's that's quite promising. This is sounding quite good. good. Yeah. Um, what, what my favorite? What, what one? have you got for me? There's going to be a remake of Death Wish. I don't know if you know this. Do you <laughs> yeah, know this? I do know this. Yeah, it's not going to start Liam Neeson, surprisingly. Because um, that's what the Taken films have been. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, this was going to be directed by Joe Carnahan. And he has, in fact, written a script for it. The last version of the script for this Death Wish remake was written by Joe Carnahan. And uh, it's it's now uh, been taken over. Yeah. Uh, I forget who's writing it, but the actual director now is going to be none other than Eli Roth. Yay! Yay! Uh, okay. This... Is is Bruce Willis still attached? Yeah, Bruce Willis is going to star in it. See that? Well, I can I can see. Really? Yeah. I know that he's just, he's been doing a lot of these kind of like extraction straight to DVD. Oh, his next one is films. Precious Cargo in two weeks' time. Precious Cargo. Yeah, with in which he stars with Mark Paul Gosselaar and Claire Forlani. He, he needs about twenty six mansion. Sorry, doesn't can, he? Can I can I just reiterate that? Yeah. Bruce Willis is going to star in a film with Mark Paul Gosselaar. Mark Paul Gosselaar. <laughs> so that's a, that's a step Mark down for him. Mark Paul Gosselaar. And a step down for Bruce Willis. <laughs> do, do you want to say it one more time? Just just get it out. I was actually quite amused to find out that Mark Paul is actually his first name. Yeah. Like it's not a middle, oh, Paul yeah. isn't the middle name. No, no, it's, it's Mark Paul. Yeah, it, like, a, like a, Leanne. According or... to Dustin Diamond's biography, uh, Behind the Bell, which I have read... <laughs> I have actually read. He um, couldn't have called that book anything better. Bell End. Yeah, behind the <laughs> bell end that stabs someone. And he's currently in prison. Well, according to his biography, um, Mark Paul Gosselaar will uh, will snap at you if you don't call him Mark Paul. If you just call him Mark, if you just call him nuts. Mark. Yeah. What about MP? I don't know. Let's call him MP. Let's. I think if he's on Twitter, his nickname his nickname on set was the Golden Boy or the Chosen One. Really, but uh, yeah, I should mention this book is filled with lurid accusations. At one point, he accuses Mario Lopez of being a rapist. But... Mario Lopez seems like the sweetest guy, but I don't know if that's just because I've seen does. him host shows. Don't you love? He's very charismatic. You know, charismatic during the uh, during the sex scene montage in Deadpool, there's that moment when they're sat do they do the Lent bit where they're just sat doing nothing, and yeah. he's reading Mario Lopez's autobiography. Yes, I love that little that's acknowledgement. That's great. <laughs> I thought that was fantastic. You what? You what else you got then? Uh, I am looking. I'm. I feel like there's been loads of bits of news I, I between have now and the last um, the last show, and I am forgetting what they are. So take it away. Oh, it's Soldado, not Solidado. Sorry, Soldado. Soldado. 
Um, so let's talk about uh, Spielberg. Good old Steve. Oh, Senor Spielbergo. Senor Spielbergo. Yeah. His uh, non his non union non union Mexican <laughs> yeah. equivalent. To quote the Simpsons. <laughs> uh, so Senor Spielbergo is looking to reteam with the writer and producer of Bridge of Spies to tackle a new historical thriller. Ooh, and historical who is this centered on? This one is going to be centred on Walter Cronkite. Cool, I can't wait for Mark Rylance to play him. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know, you just know. He definitely, you? like, I'll put money on that happening. I really would. It's going to be the story of uh, Walter Cronkite and how he used his position as yeah. the anchor of CBS Evening News to turn the American public against the war in Vietnam. Right. Because there's a famous quote from uh, Lyndon B. Johnson in which he said, if I lose Walter Cronkite, I've lost Middle That's America. Right. I love that quote. It's a fantastic quote. Yeah. And it just makes you want to watch that Brian Cranston, that B Cry, that B Cran, Bry Cran, Bry Cran, that B Cran movie all the way, even more. <laughs> uh, let's see what else we got here. I mean, Hannibal Rest in Spider Man, we covered that. Oh, well, we can um, talk about it more because that is great. That is great news. Isn't yeah, it? I wonder who he's going to play. I, I don't know if he's just going to be. I can't see him being a comic book character. I don't know. He'll just be a guy that lives in. I think he could be a really good Electro. Let's give him some some Mister Freeze blue face makeup. <laughs> yeah, and he'll he'll just talk really slowly. <laughs> the entire time. I'd say if I went out on a revenge spree against everyone who ever forgot my name, I mean, literally any any woman I never got a second date with would just be wow. Jesus Christ, my name isn't even a name, so <laughs> I have to have a pretty incredibly thick skin for the people that forget my name. <laughs> like really, Chase, really. <laughs> Chase, Quace, Casey. Casey? That's actually yeah. a good Very rarely do I tell someone my name and then when they repeat it back to me, do they say Case? How often have you had Casse? Many times. Oh, many really. times. Yeah. Um, so, Vera Farmia, a woman I'm very fond of. I like her as well. I, I'm good. such a fan of her. Yeah. She, she's an actress I just want to be in everything. And... And she does seem to be strange. She's really great in the first Conjuring. I'm sure that she's as good she's as great in the second. Yeah. yeah, it's it's great that she is with Patrick Wilson because I always see them being like the same type of yeah. They're person. very similar. Yeah, like, actors, she aren't they? she she is like the female equivalent of Patrick Wilson. I would argue. yes, I would argue that as well. Yeah. Well, she's now going to <laughs> she's going to join the pantheon of accomplished actresses who star alongside Liam Neeson in a thriller because this is, is... is she going to be taken. She, well, yeah, she she is going to be starring in the reboot, Retaken. I'm kidding. No. <laughs> Retaken. Because that's what it would be called. Oh, a prequel. Pre-taken. Pre-taken. Oh. That writes itself. Oh, oh, I've got it. I've got it. I've got the definitive one. What? They do a female spin-off of Taken, Mistaken. <laughs> oh, oh, man, this writes itself. Okay. <laughs> and Gary Ross will be directing anytime soon. Gary <laughs> Ross will direct, yeah. Francis Lawrence does the sequel. Yeah. Uh, Jennifer Lawrence plays the new... Yeah. Um... <laughs> I think we all know it'd be Ronda Rousey trying to act in it straight to DVD. Never mind. Absolutely. Um, so Vera is going to star in the Liam Neeson thriller The Commuter. And this is going to be directed by uh, Juame Cole Serra, who did Nonstop and Unknown, I want to say, as well. Uh, yes. And he's done another one with Liam Neeson. I've Run All Night. Gone. Run All Night, Run that's all night. the one. That was so, the most recent one. Yeah, he and Liam Neeson seem to have a real bond going on. So, you know what? Let them. Um, yeah. Oh, did we talk about the Saint earlier when we were talking about franchises? No, we did not. Oh yeah, yeah, they're gonna make they're gonna make uh, a big budget movie franchise of the Saint. Of the Saint, yeah. Based on That's the novels of Le- Leslie Charteris, Paramount are planning this as a franchise. Has correct me if I'm wrong, and I think that um, did they try to make 
this a film. Or, yeah. <laughs> Val- Kilmers. Valley, Valley, Valley Kilmers. Kilmers. Valley Kilmers. I remember from the 90s. Valley Kilmers and the lovely Miss Elizabeth Shue. Yes. And Raid Sabagia as the villain. Because <laughs> that always works. And the film was absolutely dreadful. And was basically one big product placement ad for the new uh, Nokia communicator phone mm. at the time. Seriously, that was an actual thing. It was the first Nokia phone to feature a, a, a full-size QWERTY keyboard. Mm. Uh, Bob Iger has said that following uh, the fifth of Indiana Jones films, oh, yeah. there will be a reboot of some sort. Of some sort? Yeah. Oh, dear God. So we get Shire back. <clears throat> yep. yep. Shire's coming back, that's it. Oh, it's just an entire film about Ray Winston's character. Yeah, I can't even forget that. Or it's, I tell you, it just plays like an X-Men movie with a, a, a badly wigged Cate uh, Blanchett. That's what it is. Practicing her psychic powers. Ooh. That could totally happen. Yeah. That, that awful wig job was awful. <laughs> but she's going to be busy being the Lady Loki. Yes, yes. I'm she's, sure she's going to be called. Uh, Hera, uh, Hela, I think. Hela? Hela. Hela, yeah. I forget. I think she's going to be amazing. Ah, she will. Of course she will. Yeah. It's Cate Blanchett, man. Can't blanch. Can't blanch. Can't blanch. Can't blanch. We've got Cate Blanchett with us. <laughs> So, um, I mean, by the way, um, we were having a conversation the other day about uh, who should who should take the Will Smith role in a Men in Black remake. We both agreed um, Anthony Mackie. We both said Anthony Mackie. Yeah. Um, I, I actually think that for Independence Day as well. You know when they have to scrap that and reboot it? Um, yeah. <laughs> Instead of just making Independence Day Resistance or Independence Day Regurgitation. Uh, or... Funnily enough, they, they actually, I don't even know this. You know after, uh, after the Stargate trilogy failed to get made? After they made one and then abandoned it. Yeah. The remaining two movie scripts got turned into, I think it was three or four novels. Each one began with an R title. One of them, I believe, was called Resurgence. Resurgence. And another was called Resistance. There was also Retaliation as well. Uh, I can't remember them. I always wanted to read them, never got the chance. Regurgitation, definitely. For Regurgitation. Regurgitation. Yeah, I, I wanted to regurgitate after seeing... Uh, Independence Day Resurgence. So you really hated it? I really hated it with a passion. I would rather watch Beautician and the Beast. I would rather listen to Fran Drescher. That's that's got my guy, though. That's got got the dolts. Really? Yeah. Yeah, fair enough. It does, doesn't it? It, Yeah, he is the beast. (laughs) (laughs) Not not Ron Perlman. I always get confused with the nanny. Even though that is also Fran Drescher. That was a US 90s sitcom, wasn't it? How did she ever have a career? She's got quite a distinctive voice. She, she was she, the, the, Jennifer, she does. The, the Jennifer Tilly of her time. God, how dare you, sir? How, <laughs> how dare, dare you? you? Who's, wish... who's the other one? Uh, Joey, Joey Adams? Joey Lauren, Joey Lauren Adams. Yeah, she's yeah. got a pretty distinctive voice from, from the does. 90s. Yeah. I ran into Sean Pertwee recently in Soho. How did you? Yeah, who, who is... I've, I've run into a few times in Soho, and uh, he, he's a very, very tall man, way taller than I thought he would be. Mm. But... Um, I say hello to him every time I see him, and I'm always too polite to do what I've always wanted to do, which is, Sean, could you uh, just do my voicemail greeting for me? Please, pretty please. Because it's either going to be him or Sean Bean. Someone who's done no two advert, that's it. That would be great. Yeah, it's got to be. i to get Sean Bean to do my voicemail. Oh, yeah. Sean Bean went to my college. Did he? Yeah, there was... Um, my girlfriend his... teaches at his former school. Oh, really? Yeah, apparently they have his school report up on the wall. Well, at, at my he former did college... Did he? <laughs> at my old college, there was... It was a big. It was like a banner that had all of his accomplishments. So, like, is what, it is it his death scene from every movie? Is no, it's, it's every it's, movie it's, he's in killed it's him. When it's when he was born, what school he went to, when he started at, at the college at, at, at the Rotherham College, yeah. what course he started to do, then he went to acting, and then his first film. He's a Blades fan. 
He was in when Saturday comes. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know? Uh, did you see the uh, the Pixels Honest trailer this week? Yes, I did. <laughs> when they say, "I know you think Sean Bean doesn't die in this movie, but, but look, look at his, his eyes. eyes. He's, He's dead inside." <laughs> Always, always getting on. I point. quite like Pixels in a strange way as well. You were quite the defender of it, weren't you? I, well, because I, I just expected, expected it to be so much worse than it was. And I yeah, went, I think when you go in with expectations that low. Well, Independence Day 2, I mean... My expectations were certainly lower than yours, I think. Oh, well... I mean, I had concerns about that film going in, and I can to say my low expectations were not even met. So you're not looking forward to the third? Not at all. Not at all? No, indie three pendants day. (laughs) (laughs) You know what's going to happen. Of course, that's totally going to happen. Oh, of course it is. It's totally going to happen. And uh, oh man, I just. Do you have any more movie news for us all? No, no, I do not. I'll be honest. I'm kind of distracted trying to remember how Independence Day ended because the film is so forgettable. I actually can't remember the the, ending. The second one. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, can, I can tell you the first one. No, was. no, no. Wait, wait until we're off mic, and then I need you to tell me the ending again, because I've actually forgotten at this point. And, yeah. Damn it. Well, you, you, don't, you don't remember the bit where an alien bursts out of Jeff Goldblum's chest, <laughs> eats Brent Spiner, Roland Emmerich uh, just comes on screen, and he's like, this isn't my film anymore. Oh, I know. Ridley Scott shows up, takes over the film. Exactly how it works. Yep. Yeah, exactly how it works. On which note, here it is, your moment of cage. Wait, remember Rocky? Boy, what a movie. Yeah. The best scene was when Stallone kept hitting that side of beef. Remember that? He kept hitting that side of beef, just smashing it with his fist. That was all raw. Hit, smash, hit, making it all bloody. Sure did a job on that beef. <laughs> 